All right, so joining us today for our podcast is Katherine Brignac. We are so excited to have her here join us today and share her story and kind of explain to us different parts of her grief journey in the hopes of helping other moms who are currently um, in the same situation as Katherine. Hi, Katherine. Thank Hello. you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yes. Could you start by kind of just sharing your story with us? Sure. Um, I'm Catherine Brignac. I am currently just made 35. Um, married to my husband, Bobby Brignac. We are two years. We got married when the world was shutting down. Literally that week, COVID hit. And then um, later on that year, uh, in June, we found out we were pregnant with our sweet girl, Bowie Nix, named after David Bowie and Stevie Nix. Um, and then um, we found out that I was going to be due on March 19th, which is my birthday. So we were, you know, super pumped. All kind of special little things were happening for us. Um, fast forward to, uh, let's see, 2021, January 16th. Um, I had a normal pregnancy. Everything was great, growing, you know, big belly, uncomfortable, going up size, cravings, all that good stuff. And, um, I was having my baby shower, which was January 16th, and uh, everything went good. She got all the loving, rubbing on my belly and everything, and I'm about 31 weeks pregnant at um, this point. And uh, so it was a Saturday. After um, a baby shower, you know, Sunday rolls around, kind of being lazy, getting her room together and everything, organizing. My husband goes to the Saints game, and... Um, I was just blown away like she kept kicking and you know doing all these amazing moves and stuff watching my belly go all over so I was filming and I was sending him the videos like check this out like oh my gosh you know and so uh he was traveling back from the Saints game that night and um you know go to bed probably around like 10 o'clock that night well we wake up the next morning and we had a um a doctor's appointment that was already scheduled um for for me with um the high-risk doctor i had some fibroids that were starting to pop out nothing to be alarmed about my doctor she was like no you know they feed off of hormones like everything's this is normal but we're gonna send you anyways to have that looked at closely and i'm like okay cool so my appointment was at nine o'clock on the monday and uh my husband's like okay i'm gonna go with you and i'm like not a big deal please don't come like they're checking me out it's gonna take five minutes like you don't need another appointment to come through. It's no, don't worry about it. So um, he's like, no, insisted. I'm like, okay, fine. We take separate cars. We go, we go to the um, doctor's office, and uh, we go inside. We're waiting, and um, you know, we're sitting down, we're waiting in the waiting room, and the doctor um, or one of the nurses. I'm sorry. She um, does an ultrasound looking at everything asking us questions we can see Bowie like on the screen in front of us and everything we're watching and then so she takes it off and she goes I'm having trouble getting a measurement of her so I want to um go get somebody else to see if they can help me we're like okay cool no big deal she leaves so at this point you didn't have any no. indication no any indications wrong. like we're at this appointment for me like, the focus is on me for this whole thing. Like, I'm not even worried about Bowie or anything at this point. So, while she steps out, my husband and I are sitting there talking. And then out of the blue, 
Bobby looks over, he goes, did you feel her move this morning? And I look at him, I'm like, why are you asking me this? He goes, well, you normally say, like, how active she is in the morning or she moves. I was like, yeah, yeah, she moved. I'm like, well, now you have me second guessing. Like, I don't know. It's like, well, maybe I just felt my belly get tight. Like, I'm not a hundred percent sure now. Like, so I was second guessing everything. And so it might have been, I don't know, anywhere between five to ten minutes that we waited in that room. I'll probably say closer to ten minutes, which probably felt like an hour to us. And so we're looking at each other. We're like, what is taking so long? Like, now I'm nervous. Something doesn't feel right. Like, this is not, this is not right. So Dr. Vario walks in and, you know, tells us, hey, how's it going? And starts asking me questions. You know, have you experienced any bleeding or anything happened to you? I'm like, no, not at all. He's like, okay, do you mind if I take a look? Do you mind if I, if I look at, um, you know, with the ultrasound and stuff? We're like, not at all. Sit, sits down, starts looking at everything. And we can't see on the screen in front of us. It's not on at this moment anymore. And so he takes it off my belly, looks at us. Um, I think my husband's standing up at this point, like next to the bed and, um, he goes, okay, I'm always going to be honest with you guys because we cannot find a heartbeat for your baby. And it's like, just hearing those words didn't even seem real. Like, we're like, we like, he goes, I'm sorry. There's nothing we can do. Like we, and in this moment, like, I, we just, I start crying. I, I, I feel like I don't remember my husband's reaction, but him saying, like, do we need to go to the hospital? Like, what, what do we need to do? And he's like, it's it's too late for that. Like, there's, there's nothing. And so we are just in shock, disbelief. Like, we are crying. Like, what do we even do? Like, the, this is not, this is was supposed to be for me, the check on for me. And our whole world just completely flipped. I have a room at home full of things for her, like things that aren't even open, you know? And so he tells my husband to take his phone out to call this number, gave us his number to call if we need anything. He stepped out the room to let us have a moment for ourselves, went call my OB to let her know what was going on, what happened gave us the option if we wanted to go there right away um, to hear our options on what we needed to do next. If we wanted to go home, we could go home. Um, you know, just, just to take it all in, what happened. And what did y'all decide? We decided, so my husband, um, he pretty much was the thinker for me for this whole, for the whole thing, because my brain went to mush. You know, went to mush, but still like aware and alert. Like at the same time, it's like the weirdest, oddest feeling ever. Um, since we were already out, uh, Bobby decided we're going to go see our doctor. And so he brought us there, left my car there. We got, which our doctor was right around the corner. And uh, he got down, went inside, let them know we were here. And so they you know, I stayed in the waiting room. I'm just a hot mess. And I, and you know, where my brain goes, I'm worried about freaking people out when I walk in the waiting room, you know, you have a woman full of a room full of pregnant women. It's like, Oh man, you know, I'm still thinking about that. But at the same time, I'm like, I just lost like this. This is insane. I don't even know what's going on. So we went in there, we sit in the room and again, it's a blur, but 
I remember specific details of our conversation. She was like, you guys can go home, think about, you know, when you want to do this, when you want to go to the hospital and, you know, have her. And I was like, what do you mean have her? Like, I have to go through labor? Like, I'm 31 weeks, and I'm thinking because I lost Bowie, like, I don't have to go through labor. Like, I get a free pass for something. And she was like, no, like, we'll we'll have to go through labor, like, the whole process. And, like, I start crying anymore. I'm like, there's no way that I'm doing this. Like, I'm not, I just lost Bowie. And I'm not going through the same motions that there's no reward at the end. Like, I know the outcome. And so... My husband's asking, like, what are our other options? She's like, sweetie, like, we'd rather do this, you know, sections or unless you're in, like, a risk, then we'd rather not do that. And so uh, we leave. We go home. It's like the whole car ride was just, God, it was just sad. So sad. We cried the whole way home. We get home and we just sit there. We're like, what? What's next? I mean, we know what's next, but then it's like, this is insane. So then we sit down and we look, we cry, we hug, we do everything right to console each other. But we look like, all right, I guess we got to call our family now. Like, this isn't fun. So we start going through the motions. We call our moms first. And then it's just a whirlwind from there. They both came over go down the line you know our dads and then you know I think my mom called my sister and told her everything and you know they came over and stuff like that and then before we knew it after we had told like our immediate family let's see my point was at nine we were back home for 10 10 30 we call our our family members and everything and a family member a family member of us I think it was my sister-in-law uh, Melissa she had called Maddie's footprints on behalf of us and I'm saying this is like one o'clock like Maddie's footprints was already like in touch with us had already called us to you know make sure that we knew what was going to be happening the the next steps to take and all that stuff too I didn't talk to um Maddie's at the time uh it was my husband and my sister who talked you know they went in the office they talked and you know really just prepped us on like what to expect what to do what the hospital will do and everything too it was just like a crazy like crazy to think that an organization like Maddie's has been through this gone through this is prepping families for all of this because it is a nightmare and this is the last thing that you want to think about you know absolutely so uh they really really had us prepped for that and stuff so which which is awesome um and then so after we talked about everything I remember telling Bobby look go ahead and call uh, Dr. LeBlanc just tell her that that let's go ahead and move forward with this like I've I don't want to not have her with me, but to have her with me still was painful. My belly would get tight. She was still shifting and like moving in there. So it was, like I said, bittersweet because 
something that I can touch and feel was gone. Right. So that whole experience was just like bittersweet and just sad. So we had made the call to the doctor. And so this is uh, still Monday. Tuesday, she arranged for everything for us to go in. We got there at 5 o'clock in the morning on Tuesday, um, the 19th. We get admitted at Women's and Children's, um, which was a great experience for us, given the circumstances that we were already going in with. And um, I was in labor for 24 hours. And we welcomed Bowie on January 20th at 718 three pounds a head full of hair long legs and she was beautiful perfect beautiful I mean in that moment when you are um, going through the motions of labor and this was our uh, our first child so it's like I didn't want to go through the motions of um, labor because I knew, like I said, what the outcome was. What the outcome was, and I think what what um, hurt and like what ripped me apart the most was uh, when I pushed and she came out. There was no cry. There was nothing. It was just silence. And uh, when she came out the staff, the nurses, they took her, wrapped her up and gave her to us. And when I tell you, they were so respectful and just, you know, stood in the corner and kind of crossed their hands and like gave us our time of like respect and peace and stuff like that. There wasn't a dry eye in there, you know, it was beautiful. Just the way that they took care of us and treated us like even though she was already passed, that she she was still alive or still there with us, you know? Like, and I hate to use the word normal, but, like, it was a normal situation that we got treated with a lot of uh, respect. And compassion. Yeah. And uh, so then once we held her, I think we held her for about, like, 30 minutes, maybe. Then they... uh. They took her, gave her a little bath, uh, footprints, handprints, took pictures, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, then we got um, set up with a, um, a cuddle cot, which is the oh-so-glorious thing that saved our lives, our, our, our journey, and, um, you know, anyone who had experience with this as well, I think they can testify that, you know, they had the same outcome with using a cuddle cot. Absolutely. So, Catherine, how has the loss changed you personally? Oof. <laughs> Where to begin? Uh, personally, God, it's made me bitter in some ways that I know. I don't want to say that I never knew was there, but it made me like really annoyed with some things in the beginning, you know, like I think anyone who has trouble getting pregnant or who has suffered some losses, you know, you look at people and like, well, how come she's getting pregnant? 
or she's like on baby number seven like what's going on like I'm annoyed like hearing babies cry like my baby should be crying right now right you know so I would get very uh emotional about that at first and then and, and again everyone has a different like grieving journey. journey right and so I'm not saying the way I grieve is correct and I'm not saying how anyone else does it is incorrect so I think I was very like bitter like in the beginning you know and then listening to like other people's journeys too kind of helped and seeing different things but um Personally, for me, like I said in the beginning, very just annoyed and kind of bitter. And then I'm like, I don't have to be this way. I'm not, I feel like I'm not benefiting any, anything like from this. So I'm already torn and heartbroken because of the loss we just had. But why can't I make something beautiful and just, and be encouraging for other people? You know, I know I don't have to be positive poly at all the time, right? Trust me, I have I, I have my moments, you know. I think every every woman has their moments in the shower, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> they squeezing that shampoo bottle till it's empty and just scrubbing away, right? But um yeah, I, I just feel like something just hit me to where it's like I don't have to be that bitter. I don't have to be, you know, soaking in my own grief 24 7 right. and that's that's for me what I realized and I'm already a strong person and so I felt like you know taking what I had and, and trying to make it positive really helped me so like personally I feel like it made me like um kind of like a sour patch kid right first they're sweet and they're sour sour than sweet so I felt like I was kind of sour and then I grew or blossomed into something that was very um interesting to watch absolutely you know we always try to on our podcast kind of talk about um sometimes couples and how couples grieve differently um it seems to me that you and bobby had you know are very supportive of one another um how did you guys grieve differently after the loss so after the loss i think i can speak you know, for, for most women or couples or whatever, is that women are very emotional. Uh, (laughs) at least I can be emotional too. And men are as well. But I think, uh, most women are just a little bit more vocal and they showcase that a little bit uh, more or in depth, I guess you can say. So for me, I mean, I would cry at the drop of a hat or if I would think about something, I was crying, you know, like, all the time um I cried myself to sleep for a very long time you know it's gotten better I still have again my moments it doesn't go away but I think I'm just like more out there and more um visible as Bobby is not going to just randomly probably start a conversation about what happened with us and I think he and you know, like I said, I think he's just a little bit more, um, aware or not to steal like spotlight or like something from someone else. Like if they're talking about their baby or something like he's not, he's not the type of person to chime in. He doesn't want anyone to feel bad or anything. Neither do I, but versus if you would ask us, I'd probably like, someone says, Oh, how many children do you have? 
all day, I'm going to be like, oh, I don't I have one in heaven. We don't have any earth side. Versus most men, they might say, oh, no, we don't have any. Right. Which is completely fine to each their own. That doesn't make you a bad parent. It doesn't make you not recognize your child or you don't get minus 10 points for anything. Um, I think it's just different. And sometimes in the moment, I think it's easier to not have to open that box and talk about everything, you know? So I think grieving wise for us, I'm going to be the, the motor mouth of, uh, of the couple and talk about it and say everything. And Bobby is my, um, my kickstand, my, um, my frame he holds me up like in every direction that I can possibly imagine and just very supportive and if I just need to cry he lets me have my moment if I go to her room and you know he and if I'm crying again he'll just give me a moment to myself and let me stay in there and just do what I gotta do because again he knows we both grieve different differently and I know we both as well and you know I'll get Bowie winks is what I call them for the day I'll send it to him and like he'll send me some back and stuff like that so we always stay connected and we'll talk about it amongst ourselves more often but as far as like to the public I, I'll be more of the the public acknowledgement in this department versus him right so how do you practice self-care Catherine oh especially on the harder days yeah for you um self-care so I feel like every woman has a stash of wine in the back or uh, <laughs> in their fridge or in a bottle waiting to be open with their name on it. So there's nothing wrong with, you know, just relaxing. And however you choose to relax could be a cup of tea, uh, a bottle of wine, or, you know, whatever you choose. Absolutely. Definitely embrace whatever you're feeling at that moment. Make sure it's not negative, though, for yourself. So don't do any more harm um, if you're feeling really low. But so before... Um, or while I sh- should say I was pregnant with Bowie, I made it a point to get massages every six weeks. Um, and so I care, actually, when, I f- when we found out we lost Bowie that day, I was scheduled for a massage. And for some reason, like I said, you know, your, your brain's all over the place. And it, like I remembered I had a massage appointment. So on the way to my doctor, like I called the place to cancel it because I'm thinking like I can't be rude. Like I just didn't want to not show up course that's where my brain goes I'm like I need to cancel you know like whatever but um so my regimen as far as self-care is get the massage go treat yourself you cannot neglect your 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 body you know you only get one you know go get a facial go get your nails done go whatever you feel is relaxing go sit somewhere in a restaurant eat a whole pizza like doesn't matter if that's how you feel like you can release then do it you know Go sit outside with your friends and chit-chat. You know, watch your favorite show by yourself. Cry on your couch. That's all self-care. That's let's let, getting rid of all everything that's being built up and releasing it. Anything that you feel might be toxic, release it, you know. Absolutely. Those are all great, great tips. Um, how do you keep your sweet girl's memory alive? Oh, Bowie Nicks. So, um, what we decided to do, um, to keep Bowie's name spoken, which, you know, every, everybody who has lost a child and is in heaven and not earthside anymore, they want their baby's name spoken. They want to feel like they are still here on earth with us. Um, 
by saying their name and making it a part of a routine or part of life. So uh, we wanted to create a foundation in her name. Uh, so we did the Rainbowy Foundation. And uh, what that foundation is uh, doing, already doing, and will continue to do, is um, going to provide cuddle cots for hospitals. So what a cuddle cot is, it's a small cooling device that goes inside of a bassinet. You know, when you have your baby in the hospital, they have the already little bassinets that one, you can lay it inside of that one, or the cuddle cot comes with its own bassinet that you um, can place your baby in. So it's a cooling device that helps slow down the deterioration of your baby. So what it does, it keeps your baby um, very cold. So um, they stay or, you know, try to stay in the form as needed so you can get more time with them. Because we had the cuddle cot, uh, which I may add, a lot of hospitals don't have access to these or they break often. And so some people don't get the chance to have them or experience them. Um, there's not a high uh, amount of these or not, I guess, a high um, demand for these that some hospitals don't think they need, but it still births happen way often than you would think. You'd be shocked. And so when we had Bowie, ours had just been repaired. So we were able to get one. So they brought the cuddle cot in for us. And because we had this, we were able to keep Bowie for an additional 28 hours with us. So we had her in the room. Um, we got to sleep. She got to sleep in our room overnight. She got to stay with us and everything. And then um, we even got to change her. We had her baptized and everything. So we had all those special moments that we were able to do, even though we already knew the outcome that she wasn't coming home with us. So having that really impacted our grief journey because my heart aches for any mama that hadn't got to experience that and just, you know, had their baby taken away way too soon. You know, I've heard to where, you know, an hour, like we discussed today, um, and then that happened to someone else, you know, eight hours. And if you don't have a cuddle cot, there's two other options. One, your baby goes in the morgue and they will walk your baby back and forth to you to experience, you know, whenever you want to hold them. Or they will put bags of ice underneath your baby and your baby will lay on top of that. And you're already going through a traumatic experience and moment. You, like I said you want everything to seem as normal as possible and not to increase anything that may not be. So for us, the cuddle cot impacted us like beyond words and to be able to just get up and walk over and look at her, touch her whenever I wanted, you know, kiss her, run my fingers through her hair, cut her hair, like all that stuff. It, it, it was um, a special moment. So we want to make sure the next families that have to go through this that become a part of our squad, a part of, you know, the everything that we can kind of soften it for them, make them a little bit more comfortable. And um, so that's why we created the foundation to raise money and supply whatever the hospitals need, whatever we can afford, we're gonna do that. Um, and we're doing so in Louisiana. We would like to focus on Louisiana, get everyone like established whoever needs it in that area 
and then if we can reach out and are fortunate enough to you know keep raising money then we'll reach outside the box and whoever contacts us hopefully we can do that now Catherine, how do y'all raise the money do y'all have so yeah so um well one all the when this is one thing that i will say for some people and they might be annoyed by it when you see it on social media or facebook but when people do like fundraisers for different things like that makes a huge impact like to receive money to the foundations and stuff like that because you do have some organizations like i know maddie's they have a couple different events that help raise money which is fantastic and then you'll have you know smaller ones like you know rainbow foundation that we don't we just do one annual event you know and um so any other small little things like that helps out because i'm still getting like random checks in the mail i'm like wow like this is it feels like christmas you know I'm like oh my gosh i'm so excited, excited you know yeah and so it's like you don't know who did these things for you because everything's anonymous so that's one way that we get some funds which is really awesome um, and then, so we had our first annual, uh, brunch and mix off last year. So we decided, so I like breakfast food and I would love to think that Bowie would have been the same way and uh, <laughs> our brunch food, put it that way, a good mimosa and some brunch food. Um, we wanted to kind of, uh, hit the ground running with that. And so cook-offs here in Louisiana is such a big thing. Food is our comfort, right? Um, so we wanted to take that approach of having a cook-off, but there are already so many great cook-offs with jambalaya or chili or gumbo, which is great. Don't get me wrong. I, I love carbs with the rice and all that good stuff, but um, I wanted to kind of switch it up a little bit, um, do something different, and we had a lot of great feedback. So we did a brunch and mix-off to where we had the locals, um, the public, cook all of our, all the brunch food you enter for your little spot. You can cook whatever that was brunch inspired. And then I invited um, local restaurants to participate in coming up with a brunch drink and mixing mixing that. So that way, when you're walking around sampling all the brunch food, you can stop and get your little brunch drink too, your little um, cocktail and try that out. So one, I'm all about giving back and helping people, correct? So all these local restaurants, they're amazing. They're amazing. Some people have never been to the restaurants or, you know, maybe they don't advertise as much for themselves. This was, you know, great advertisement for them. You have everything in one area, your food, your drinks, locals, um, the community helping out. And so it just made sense to do all that. So it was wonderful. We, um, man, and like, I'm thinking about some of the food that was (laughs) cooked over there and it just brought me back. I was like, oh, that was good. Um, so yeah, having all of that was very different and unique. So I thought that was a different factor to get people to go. And we had a very good turnout. We probably had for our first one about three or four hundred people um, oh, show up to that awesome. amazing auction item, silent and live auction. I mean, the community stepped up in ways that I didn't even think. It was fantastic. And just to show you guys how fantastic it was, we ended up raising. Uh, $75,000 for our first amazing benefit. Yes. Yeah. Which was amazing out of the park. So, and that was held in November of last year. Um, and we're looking to do our second annual again, um, this year in November. I think we're looking at November 5th. Um, I'm waiting to lock down the, um, the area on where we're going to have it. So 
to be continued. So keep your ears open on standby for that. Yes, but, we're looking forward to much more details. Yeah. So that, like I said, the the brunch and mix off, that's our way that we raise our money to provide these cuddle cots to the hospital. So, I mean, it's a good time. Kid friendly, family, family friendly music, all that good stuff. So that's right. fun. Well, thank you, Catherine, so much for being here today. I know, you know, sharing your story brings up a lot of different emotions. Um, and I think what you are doing to keep your sweet girl's memory alive is truly, truly amazing and shows how great of a mom you truly are. Well, thank you. And, and you know, I just, I want to encourage that any feeling that, you know, if you've lost a child or have struggled with losing anything or not being able to get pregnant or, you know, anything dealing with fertility and stuff like that I want you to know that like every feeling that you have is completely normal for you to go crazy one day and then be happy the next that is normal right super super normal so I just I would encourage you to you know just have some find some support find your little group um I know Maddie's footprints y'all supply endless amount of support groups and one-on-ones with you and stuff like that that um you know if you're not ready to jump into that group session yet right that you're the ears to help everyone too so which is awesome but um yeah just any emotion that you experience let it out do it do yourself a favor don't bottle it up because it doesn't help absolutely yeah well, thank you, Catherine, no, so thank much. you we so much. You yeah, being on our podcast. Thank and you, thank you, so sharing much. your story. Yeah, anytime. Thanks.